Rick Madison, Rick and Friends. And uh, we have a municipal election coming up, which is coming up in the fall. And as such, uh, I feel my duty, my responsibility uh, is to interview potential candidates that are going to be running our city because it's, uh, well, it means a lot to a lot of us. So uh, in in the big show is uh, Tom McCauley. Welcome to the show. So, Tom, uh, I've got uh, in front of me some of your platform, which we'll, we'll go through point by point, but um, give people an idea of, of who you are and, and why you want to do this this crazy thing, which is run for city council. <laughs> yeah, well, it is crazy. Absolutely. Uh, well, number one, uh, I'm, I'm a dad, I'm a, a husband uh, and, and a son. I've uh, really focused my past few years on uh, on my family and, and business um, that I've been involved in. But before that, I was uh, I was uh, uh, during my time in, in university, I was president of the students union there uh, at UBCO, and uh, that um, coupled with a lot of things that I had done growing up um, in Los Angeles and and uh, and here, uh, I was always involved in community. And so, uh, uh, you know, over the past few years, years, I've distanced myself from 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 that a bit and just focused on on building myself up. But um, uh, just recently, you know, over the past year, I've I've uh, thought a lot about uh, getting back involved in the community and and finding ways to do that. Um, so. Uh, I've been sitting on the board of the uh, Kelowna Women's Shelter uh, for the past couple of years, uh, and uh, and then when city elections started, rumble started happening. I thought, you know, maybe this would be a great way uh, to get involved again. And uh, you know, there's lots of really big issues in our city right now. Um, that's no secret to anyone. Um, and it's really a unique situation too, because we're you know in this transition phase from a small town to uh, you know a big city with big city problems and uh and i think there's there's definitely uh you know based on my conversations with people and uh with neighbors and everybody there's there's a sense that we need to change some things we need to you know uh start heading in a direction that makes more sense for for the growth that we're uh, having so. so do you have a what's your current position right now like what where do you work in the city uh, so I work for Lang, which is a uh, uh, commercial roofing and uh, like metal uh, fabrication and uh, installation company. So basically, they do anything to do with an exterior of a building. Uh, but you know, that's not my background. I don't, I don't really even know too much about the technical. Still, even after working there for a couple of years, uh, I'm, I'm their business development manager. So really, in that role, uh, I was tasked with. With uh, when I came on board to to help them build their their service division, which was uh, you know just a van uh, and a couple guys going to do leak calls, uh, and so uh, I came in and implemented some changes to 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 increase business, but to also you know meet the need in the city for that, uh, which is a ton of aging buildings here. Um, so we're now. Um, you know, one of the largest uh, uh, contractors, repair contractors for for that type of service in the city. And uh, um, after just a couple of years now, we're up to, uh, you know, from just a couple staff in a van to I think we've got seven or eight vehicles in the fleet now, uh, and as well as, uh, you know, uh, 16 staff. Uh, and uh, so we're still still growing, but 
yeah, it's an awesome company to work for. So would you be able to do both, like the city council and this position? Or are you thinking of just going off and doing the 100% city council I, I, if, you, I, if you're successful? I, I would love to, to stay with, with Lang. But I think what, you know, the in that position, uh, I, I've, I, I would probably go down a couple of days a week at least uh, to, to make up for the time to, to commit to city council. Because if, if elected... Uh, I, I would love for this to be you know, my main priority. Um, and uh, like, but unlike a lot of counselors in the past, you know, or others uh, who've been involved, I'm not retired. <laughs> so I still have a family to support and uh, city council uh, wages are not, <laughs> not huge. So, uh, which is, which is fine. Um, but uh, I, I really, uh, I really think that I can make a, a big difference with that. I'm looking at your website here, and it's uh, tomforcolona.ca um, forward slash issues, and and what uh, Tom believes. So that's on the page I'm on. So let's uh, let's go through this point by point, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll volley back and forth here. Kelowna is in a housing crisis. Nobody would dispute that. We can't build homes fast enough, and construction companies are short staffed because it's too inaccessible for tradespeople to move here. Uh, that needs to change. So so what? What kind of thought process do you have in, in the way of, of solving this? Because clearly we are in a housing crisis. What uh, what do you bring to the table? Well, so I think there's a few. There's obviously short-term solutions that we can implement that will make some impact. But then there's also long-term uh, uh, solutions for this that I think the city should be pursuing. And some of them they already are. Uh, for short-term, uh, one of the things I think is really a big priority is, you know, even creating uh, or getting together with uh, with uh, uh, stakeholders in the community to to figure out even a temporary solution for um, for housing for tradespeople to come into the city. So uh, whether that's some sort of temporary site uh, work camp that's uh, put up, uh, I think that that would alleviate uh, a lot of the issues of getting manpower here for construction companies uh, like ours. Uh, you know, other companies are dealing with you know, staff shortages and they want to bring people from other provinces and people from other provinces want to come here. But the problem always ends up being, in my experience, is that, you know, we'll get them to the finish line of of getting them here. But then housing is just impossible to crack. So they're, you know, they 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 want to they see the value of living in the Okanagan. They you know want to work here. But, um, you know, finding a place like we've uh, we've had a, even existing staff be, you know, their their homes have sold to someone where they're renting to, uh, from someone and then their house sold and then they have to find somewhere new to live. And then, uh, you know, our staff is doing the best we can to help, you know, facilitate that uh, that endeavor uh, to, to help them find housing. But really, it, you know, everybody's got uh, different lives and different uh, needs and and but so finding anything for for families for sure is is really difficult. So how, how does that look though? Uh, is there a plot of land you have thought of, or is it secans? Is it tents? Like what what are we talking about here? There, there's a lot of really good modular solutions uh, out, out there that uh, um, you know they, they use in camps up north or. Uh, on, on larger work sites. And, and it may not be right for every type of worker, like maybe not right for families who are moving here who, you know, need, need a space and need a proper space for kids. But, you know, for single guys who are 
wanting to to move to the Okanagan and transition here, uh, you know, something like that would be would make sense for them, even if it's short term, so they can find something more permanent here. Um, uh, but yeah, there's 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 plots of land. Uh, there's also a lot of property that the city owns. Uh, you know, there's I think it's over 200 buildings and structures that the city actually owns, whether they're mostly or most of them are commercial or industrial properties. Uh, but there's also a lot of residential properties that the city owns as well. So are you suggesting the, that they repurpose some of those buildings for uh, workers kind of thing? I think that I think that needs that conversation. I'm not going to say that this you know specific piece of land or specific one is the right one for it. I just think that that conversation of finding that solution is needs to be brought up. Uh, that conversation hasn't happened. Um, I know it's happening somewhat in the you know on the private side with with companies trying to figure that out. Um, but I think as a city, we're seeing you know a lot of projects take longer than they should to to get to completion because there's just not enough tradespeople and everybody's short staffed. Uh, to, to, to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you think the interest rates, uh, then with those going up will actually alleviate some of that, uh, pressure? I, I hope so. Uh, I think, uh, it, it'd be interesting to see how that impacts, impacts the rental market. Um, because, uh, you know, the rental market as, as you and I both know, is just really, really overtaxed at the moment. And, uh, and the prices have skyrocketed, um, over the past, you know, five, six years. But, um, you know, a a big part of this, too, I think, is finding uh, some of the reasons why housing has gotten out of control. And I don't think it's just from people coming from Vancouver or from Alberta relocating here. I think a lot of it actually has to do with the university and the growth that they've experienced there. Uh, UBC is a huge part of our community, and so is Okanagan College. They're really wonderful for them to be here, but, you know, they've only got... 2,000 beds on campus at UBC, and they've, they're now up to about 13,000 students. So, whereas, you know, when I started at UBC, it was, I think it was at like 4,000 or 4,500, and uh, it just exponentially increased from there. And there's only so many rental options in Kelowna, and students, so, uh, you know, students are getting accepted to UBC, planning to move here, and then, you know, the, the wait list to get on to live on campus is, you know, most a lot of people I knew just didn't even bother because it was filled up so quick. Uh, so if if people were to uh, to elect you, obviously you have that educational slant to your to your experience, your legacy. Would you say that you would be a, a champion for, you know, Okanagan School and and for the college as well as the UBCO, like would would that be one of your your main tenants? Is uh, you know whatever they need to do to to grow to prosper, you would be an advocate for them. Is that yes, yes and no? I mean, like uh, I, I I I think they're a fantastic part of our community, but I think uh, we need to 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 hold them uh, to account. When you know there's in, when there's increases in seats uh, at the university or population, we need to know that there is going to be some increases in housing to support that. Um, UBC has has a lot of property um, in you know at the north end of the city, and uh, I think that uh, uh, you know if if they're going to be adding more students, they should be adding more housing. 
and I think the city of Kelowna should be playing a you know really uh, crucial role in making sure that that's happening. Uh, there's uh, a, a committee that's you know between UBC and and the city of Kelowna and other uh, municipalities in the area, uh, and and that really to me should be the top priority when uh, in in any conversation with them uh, because we we would really hate to be in a situation where you know Kelowna's starting to get out of a, a crisis for for rentals and then UBC says well you know. We've opened up a new program and we want to bring in a thousand more students. Uh, but then, you know, there's no plan for for housing for those students uh, on, on their end. So I, I really would love to I'm, I'm going to continue to be an advocate for for the university. But also, uh, I think we should be playing a role in keeping them accountable. So. OK, so this is an interesting one that I that I'm reading on your website. Uh, Tom for Kelowna.ca. We need another bridge. Um <laughs> And so just kind of give me uh, the background on why you you decided this was part of your platform. Well, I mean, like, it's not new. There's there's been a lot of people talking about needing a bridge in Kelowna for for several years now. Um, the, the problem seems to be that there's really not a lot of uh, uh, cohesion on the direction on this. Um, nobody's taken like, an official stance uh, you know, from government saying this is the direction we need to go. But, you know, if you talk to people in the community and you like and you talk to people who commute between West Kelowna and Kelowna, uh, it's it's that's their issue. Like it's it's very clear that a second crossing is not only, um, uh, you know, would be a, a big benefit for for the two cities, but it, it, it's also a safety issue. There's you know, we have. Uh, you know, uh, floods and fires and things like that that happen. And I, I just sometimes imagine, you know, if, what if a disaster were to, to to hit Kelowna and, you know, we've we've got such a bottleneck um, that that exists uh, in, in our in our city where, you know, people will be on a normal day of traffic. People are already backed up for sometimes for for hours uh, if there's an accident or something. Um, so I, I, I think about, you know, the, the impact that that would have on, on alleviating some of that, that traffic stress, um, but also create, you know, um, uh, a new way for, for people to engage. And, and also it would, you know, bring up new development opportunities as well, uh, on, on the West side and uh, in Kelowna as well. So, it, I mean, for a bridge to happen, obviously you're, you're aware that, uh, it, it would have to be a provincial, it would federal. And, and so from your standpoint, what kind of um, advocacy could you bring to the table that would actually help move that forward? Because as you know, it's a four year term. And uh, that's a that's a big nut, my friend. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And honestly, though, I think it starts with someone or something uh, making a, a declaration that this is the direction we want to go. Uh, right now, it's just kind of like everybody's got something to say about it, but there's no there's nobody leading that. And uh, whether I'm the leader or the or city of Kelowna takes an official stance as a council saying this is a campaign we're going to get behind and put our resources into. Um, you know, for me, uh, my experience, one of the you know really uh, uh, you know accomplishments accomplishments that I'm most proud of at UBC was. 
helping take that uh, new building that they had, the innovation, or sorry, not the innovation center, uh, the new wing of the library building um, uh, to fruition, taking that to the goal line. I didn't get to be there when it was built and put the shovels in the ground, but I was part of that effort to uh, to raise the funds. And that was a uh, you know $40 million project that uh, included a lot of help from the province, uh, UBC, uh, and uh, and other sources of revenue to, in order to make that happen. Um, there's there's so much that goes into a project like that, and you know I knew very well I wasn't going to see the full or the end result until I was well out of UBC. Um, but uh, and also students put up money for that as well. Um, there was a vote, and students went to the polls uh, at UBC and and actually made sure that part of their uh, fees that they paid every semester were going towards that project because they, like anybody else, saw the value in having that as a campus and as a legacy. I think, uh, you know, Kelowna is going to, for something like that, I mean, the last bridge was like $180 million, uh, $180 million project. So this next one, you can see, you know, with inflation and costs of construction, it's probably double what, what that is now. Um, but I think starting that the direction now and and not waiting until it's needed uh, is is the way to go. So that that would be, you know, if, if elected for that four year term, making sure that the you know, there are constant meetings happening for this, making sure that uh, the city of Kelowna staff are engaged with um, with a campaign to, to make that happen, engaging with federal and local leaders uh, to, to get that on the table. And then also figuring out how to budge, budget for this thing. Um, you know, it could include toll, uh, it could include uh, funding from, you know, both or all levels of government, uh, could be, you know, a special tax or would something you, like would that. You do, uh, would you do the bridge before Parkinson? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. That's a really good question. I think um, I think Parkinson uh, is is definitely something that's needed now. I think we got to start the the bridge talks immediately, but realistically, if we were to start that now, we're still going to be looking at you know four or five years out before we can uh, uh, get shovels in the ground for something like that. Is my guess, um, but. Um, for for Parkinson, you know, a ton of work has been done that, on that already. Um, we and that that actually was a good example of the city declaring this is something that we want to do. We want to see this happen. Let's let's make sure it gets to the goal line. And uh, and that was you know to credit to city council and to to the staff, uh, you know, and a lot of them, you know, may not be on council when that's when that's built. Um, but they've they've made an investment, and now families are gonna reap the benefits of that for generations to come. So. Uh, on your on your platform, there's an opioid uh, epidemic and upper levels of government are falling short. What? Uh, why is this part of your uh, platform? Well, so this this issue is deeply personal uh, to me. Uh, my uh, my one of my brothers uh, was, uh, you know, severely addicted uh, and for for several years uh, and he going through that experience with him, I kind of went through the range of thoughts that I think most people do when they think about opi opioids and addiction. I went from being like, you know, why can't you just get your life together? 
why can't you just it's easy just stop doing it you know why can't you just go get the help that's so clearly there uh but i you know then i then i started questioning myself during that i was like okay you know he would tell me that he's going to try and he's trying to get help or he's trying to 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 do things uh and i i just didn't believe him so but after a while i was like you know what i'm just gonna try and cast my my personal feelings about this aside am i thinking about this rationally and i was like you know what i want to see this in action so i actually went with him to the resources that are available in Kelowna. uh so you know um cmha uh, uh the uh interior health and the amount of roadblocks that are in place for people to actually when they're ready to get help that it's it's still incredibly difficult for them to do it uh, my brother was on a waiting list for two years for getting a, a you know a place that would be assisted living for 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 help uh, and treatment uh, and uh, and every time he was also you know there was outpatient programs that were available um, but if you don't have housing and you're on the street um, it, it, those outpatient programs they just they don't stick it seems like and in my opinion and uh so there's got to be housing first which the city has taken that stance as well with the journey home uh initiative and and when you so what's your stance on journey home then because obviously they they go to council for funding um what is your thoughts on the effectiveness of journey home i i think it's a really good long-term solution there's there uh, but it's it's actually the same. I think it's the same people who developed uh, the plan in Medicine Hat uh, for for uh, getting towards zero homelessness, and they did a fantastic job there. Um, and and I, I really think it's it's the way to go. I was very supportive of that, but in the short term, I do think that there are some other things that the province uh, should be stepping into doing, uh, stepping in uh, to do, uh, like. There should be, you know, uh, an all-inclusive mental hospital or sorry, addictions treatment center here, uh, where people are intaked and they don't have to go anywhere else. Uh, I mean, Kelowna is the center of the interior. Uh, it's where everybody from surrounding towns and that are also dealing with this issue come. Uh, and and so having not just you know. I think we need to have advocates. I know that the city has very little control over, you know, what interior health does or what the province does for healthcare. Um, but they can be a strong advocate uh, for for making the case for Kelowna to be an area of investment. Uh, and and we've seen that with other investments into into healthcare, uh, you know, new surgical ward and, and uh, uh, which is fantastic, you know, uh, additions to the hospital. Um, but but I think that having a a center in Kelowna for treatment and addictions uh, would be uh, would be a, a huge huge plus, and and it would be our way of starting to to have a long term solution for this. Sidebar to that, uh, so I was in Medicine Hat a month ago because I was curious about the homelessness thing too, and and they uh, for a, a city that that says that there's zero percent, I'd have to dispute that, but. Uh, you know, obviously they, they have a plan. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I haven't been there in 
in years. Uh, and uh, so I'm not exactly sure you would know better than I would on that. Um, but uh, uh, that being said, I, I do think that uh, getting, getting someone with a roof over their head, even if it's temporarily a uh, roof over their head and, you know, being able to go to the bathroom, you know, inside uh, these, these things, they, they're, they're fundamentals uh, that are required for, to have treatment happen. Um, luckily, you know, with, with my brother's case, he had a support system. He had, he had me and he had my brothers and, and he also had my mom who, you know, she would go out and with him on the street and make sure that he had, you know, as much as she could, sometimes we couldn't find him, but, uh, she, uh, really wanted to make sure that he was okay. And so she did everything in her power to, to do that. And, um, uh, and so, but not everybody has that. And, you know, that, that support system is, is crucial for anyone to be able to get over the finish line. Uh, or it's not really finished ever, but, um, uh, but yeah. and, and for funding, uh, cause no one would dispute that we do have a homelessness problem and, and some of the wraparound services that, uh, are provided, you know, probably fall short based on the volume, but is there, a in your mind's eye, is it a partnership between Kelowna province federally, or is it, uh, is it on taxpayers for Kelowna? Like wh who do you think carries the baton across the finish line for funding? Yeah. I mean, like I think the federal government for funding wise has, uh, really, really needs to step up and prioritize, uh, this, uh, these, these things and working with municipalities and provinces. Uh, the provinces administer the health care, but, but the federal government is responsible for doling out a huge portion of that cash. And uh, I think that um, when, when people think of BC outside of, uh, outside of um, the province, you know, it's always, and Victoria, they're always thinking about, well, what can we build in Vancouver to help alleviate this issue? Um, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. I mean, like, you can't tell me that they weren't able to figure out how to allocate. You know, I don't remember how what the number on that museum was a billion dollars for that. And yet we've got people dying literally every day uh, all across the province from this. Uh, so I think we need to make that happen. So on the uh, Tom for Kelowna. .ca. Uh, less property tax, more alternative revenue streams. So this is uh, an interesting one because, um, as you know, the property tax is a is a big revenue stream for the city. So you, how would how what different ways are you thinking of of deriving that same income? Yeah. So I mean, like, I'm not I'm not specifically proposing that we start lowering tax tax rates. I think we've I've already come on, I've, on. I've already. I was getting all excited. <laughs> well, I mean, I've already talked about it. Like, I think people would listen and be like, wow, this guy's got some really big ideas. Uh, where's the money coming from? Uh, and then they'll say, well, then you want to lower taxes. Like, how does that make any sense? Um, but I, I do think that before any tax measure is put in place, any new taxes, we should be looking at different ways to be raising money um, or creating you know, more opportunities for revenue. So one of those ideas, uh, which is... Uh, going to be part of my other platform that I'm sure we'll get to uh, is uh, a charger network. Um, we're, we're moving more and more into EVs, uh, and you know, over 60% of the dwellings in in uh, in uh, Kelowna 
are either an apartment or a condo or uh, or townhouse. So, you know, that that thought of everybody can just have a EV charger in their garage is ridiculous. Like a lot of people in Kelowna are going to be able to do that. Um, but really, we need to have a robust network that isn't just a few chargers set up here and there or at gas stations, you know, like that's that's great. But we need an initiative that's going to encourage um, uh, EV chargers to be at schools and places of work and literally everywhere. So um, you, you charge for that then? Yeah. So w- what I think we need to do is uh, there and there's a business case for this to um, uh, have have a program to install those. The city of Kelowna is the owner of that charger, um, but they make an a, a, you know, easement agreement with with a business owner or whoever they're doing, uh, where they're setting these chargers up. And then there's a pay per minute fee for uh, for charging. Uh, you know, in some places that that number is higher and some places that number will fluctuate throughout the day, like high charging times. You know, it'll be, you know, maybe it's 20 cents a minute this time or, you know, it's 30 cents a minute uh, um, there. But it, it, it takes a larger investment at the beginning. But um, when you buy in bulk, obviously, and make this, uh, you know, there, there's incentive for that. Uh, but then also there's a long, t- those have a very long lifetime, you know, like, so you're earning uh, a lot of revenue. Over have, uh, have you had any uh, conversations or any documentation from Fortis that we can handle more on our grid? Yeah. So that is part of a part of my other part of my uh, platform about talking about solar initiatives. I think that uh, um, before, a program like this would roll out. We'd really have to understand um, what uh, what Fortis is looking at for our um, capacity capacity for the yeah. city. But you know, I, I do think that there's this you know leaning into to solar uh, is, would would help with this as well. It reduce our energy uh, uh, footprint as a city, but then also uh, create uh, more energy to handle. Uh, these networks. So anecdotally, uh, a friend of mine, um, they've they've installed solar panels in their house, and currently, right now, they will not. Fortis will not allow them to sell the power back to them. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, these are these are good ideas, and I I think we need to move there. But um, there's some. You know, I, I guess um, Fortis has the, the stick right now as it as it stands. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's more work that needs to be done on on the provincial level for this too. Uh, the you know BC for for a government that was you know partnered with the Greens uh, for for a few years there before that last election. Uh, to me, it was incredibly surprising that there was no real initiatives brought forward to to or you know, rebates and things like that, uh, that became available for people to, to invest in solar. Uh, that's how it's been adopted across many of the states in the U.S. And, and here in Canada, two other provinces are uh, have programs like that. So I think uh, B.C. really should be leading the charge on that. We've uh, we've. Did you do that pun intentionally? <laughs> yeah, I try. Uh, the NDP. Uh, I don't think them and the Green Party are talking that much after the NDP called the election and said they wouldn't and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But you know, NDP does have like you're you're totally right. But the NDP does have a huge history of supporting green initiatives, uh, and and you know, I think 
at the center of that is, you know, we we really need to understand that the provinces, whether we like it or not, the world is moving that direction. And, um, uh, you know, they have put in the mandate by 2030 that, uh, you know, 30 percent of all vehicles sold in B.C. need to be electric uh, and then uh, 100 percent by 2040. So we're. You know, as long as we have cars to buy. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. It, but, you know, it, it, and things change. I know governments change in uh, in that time. But, uh, you know, you're seeing uh, a huge change in the U.S. as well with this. And, uh, you know, Canada is usually following suit with that. You know, the entire U.S. Uh, government fleet becoming electric and, uh, you know, U.S. Postal Service becoming electric. There's. There's a lot happening for that. Uh, so on your platform, Tom, I've got in front of me, uh, Kelowna is ready for award system. And uh, just maybe speak to why you would like to move to that system. Yeah, I mean, this um, this has has been my thought for, for a while now. Uh, I, and to be clear, I'm not advocating for council to make that move. Uh, I'm, I'm advocating for a referendum to be held on it, um, which, you know, I think the people of Kelowna should have a say in whether or not they want to move to a system like that, because I do think that there's a lot of arguments, good arguments against that. Um, you know, it can it could hold up uh, things when you know neighborhoods are fighting against each other, and maybe not everybody's working in the best interest, uh, or or there's a, you know uh, you segment the population, and then there becomes uh, fights over certain issues. Um, but if you look at at, at the city as a whole, we're starting to get to a point where the city's so big that neighborhoods are having their own little, uh, you know, microcosm communities. Uh, and it, this, the downtown of Kelowna is no longer the only center of, of, of Kelowna. Uh, there's, you know, Glenmore is starting to build up a little bit more, um, especially with that new recreation park there. Uh, you know, the businesses that are in, in Glenmore. And then also, Rutland has has uh, uh, a really uh, good uh, uh, Rut uh, Uptown Rutland Association who's uh, kind of leading the uh, culture uh, change there uh, and lots of new development in Rutland. And uh, every, it seems that every neighborhood in the city is starting to have kind of its own identity. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of issues that that impact, like for instance, for me, I'm from Glenmore, uh, a lot of issues that people in Glenmore really care about, but there's no one voice to go to, to say, Hey, uh, this is something that we need advocacy for. So uh, from, from your standpoint and, and you raise a good point, like every neighborhood has its own, uh, separate set of issues and, and, you know, different things that are prioritized, but don't you feel like you have a, you have a conduit on council that would, uh, speak to your, your issues right now, or is that, is it just mute? Yeah, well, it's because uh, I, I, right now, like I feel like I could I could talk to any of these these counselors, uh, and I I could approach them and they would hear me out, and I have. Um, but uh, you know, as we look at the growth of what's happening in the city, we're going to be you know, uh, I can't remember what the exact number was, but they were you know quarter of a million people uh, in the next you know five ten years here, and then. Uh, uh, you know, more than that, obviously exponential growth. So what's going to happen in my mind is that, 
ability to reach out to your city councilors and to uh, be able to connect with them on a personal level is just going to get harder and harder to do. Have you found another ward system that you found works uh, very well in another community? Yeah. So, I mean, like the, the, to me, looking at at uh, Toronto is is a, is a good example of, of a ward system. Uh, you know, they have uh, I don't know exactly how long that's been in place, but, uh, you know, they've got advocacy for, for each neighborhood of Toronto. And it's, it's a l much larger city. I totally get that. Um, but uh, through that you see advocacy for certain neighborhoods uh, and people actually having representation come from it. There's not right now, there's nothing saying that we could elect a council that is all from the mission, you know, and not to say that all of them wouldn't be well-intentioned, but uh, how do you know that, that there, that person's going to have the interests of you and your neighbors, uh, in mind. So uh, the only, uh, and, and it was, uh, I, I can't take it, you know, the, uh, credit for this, but Ron Matusiak, CAO of Kelowna sat here and said, here's the reason why award systems don't work is because there's too much, um, give and take. So let's say Tom is for Glenmore. Well, for Tom to get anything done with the water district or anything else, Tom has to give something to the mission ward. And, and he asked it, there's a lot of, you know, I wouldn't say backdoor deals, but I would say that there's have to be a give and take based on the fact that everyone knows when you sit in that seat, Tom is going to go for Glenmore. So how, how do you see that ward system getting around that kind of give and take? Well, I, I think that's an excellent point. And I think that there's a couple different ways to do the, the ward system. There's a, a total ward system where you have just city, eight city councilors from, uh, population centers uh, around the city. But then there's also the idea of a hybrid system where we have major, all major neighborhoods represented. Um, and then you have uh, four at-large um, uh, councillors or a few at-large councillors who are still the, you know, basically the swing vote uh, for, for, for issues. Uh, so things can still get passed uh, that are in the best interest of, of all of Kelowna. Um, I don't think it's a perfect solution by any means. I think we're still going to have the problems that we have. But part of the reason why I wanted to put this on the platform is I think uh, we got to start the conversations about how, you know, not just what we're doing uh, here as a government, uh, but but how we govern. Uh, we need to look at are we doing this the best way possible? Do we have enough people on council? Do we have, uh, you know, enough representation of all these new communities and people that are uh, that are here um it's 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 a huge uh undertaking to to have that conversation and it can be divisive but i think if we if we do that now we're planning for a future where you know people are going to have a little bit more say in their neighborhood about what so, but part of that is there would be uh, an overwhelming frustration that people didn't feel like uh, the councillors are speaking to their issues. Is that part and parcel with this? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and really, uh, you know, the it's council has has done some really big things, but really, like there's there's less accountability when everybody's an at large, right? Uh, uh, representative because you know they might vote against a certain issue but you know it's the blame goes to all of city council and the praise goes to all of city council when when things good or bad happen mostly a lot of criticism and not, not less praise i would say that 
Um, but also, I think it's becoming pre prohibitively, prohibitively expensive uh, for regular people to get into a council race. I'm not wealthy, and you know, I'm a young guy. I'm, I'm 30, uh, but and and you know, I've got a family to support, and I don't have a, a ton of rich friends <laughs> to to just say, hey, can you give me a couple thousand bucks to help me with this campaign? Um, I. I uh, have you raised any funds yet? Yeah, yeah I was I'm starting to get, you know, little donations and a lot of volunteers, actually. A lot of people reaching out to me and saying, like, I love that you're, you know, engaging with, like, a platform that's different and offers different different solutions. Uh, so that's been amazing. Um, but uh, uh, but what I mean is, like, you when you run, you've got to run across the entire city. You're running for the whole city. So, you know, for someone, you know, uh, to, to say, I want to go and do this, it's going to become harder and harder for them to be able to do that, to get a sign up in every neighborhood uh, and, uh, you know, get out the word with that. So I think if you localize it a little bit more, then it becomes a little bit more accessible for people to get involved. So uh, this goes off on a previous conversation, but Kelowna needs EV infrastructure. Uh, the shift away from fossil fuels is now in, these are your words, is now in full swing. We need to take on an aggressive strategy to ensure that Kelowna is ready for the shift. Uh, with pay-per-use charging, this can become a reliable new revenue stream for the city. So obviously, now do you have an EV yourself? I don't, no. I, but uh, there, uh, it's, it's slowly becoming more and more of a potential reality for for uh, for families and people working people like myself who, you know, not able to go out and buy a hundred thousand dollar Tesla, but you know maybe we can get, uh, you know, uh, the new Chevy Volt or a Mustang or something like that that that's lower price point payments that that are affordable, um, and uh, and do that. So uh, it's definitely on the radar for our next car uh, in our family to to do that if we if we can make it work and if I can convince my wife that it is cool enough for her but um uh but other than that like it, i think we just got to start thinking about this because as we see even today in the news suncor is selling 1500 uh of their their gas stations you know they're across canada and you know uh so uh, you know i'm not going to say exactly i don't know exactly why that is but it could be writing on the wall that you know People are starting to get out of this, uh, and and even private, you know, gas companies are saying, "Well, we got to figure out our next move, our next strategy here," uh, because I think we're going to start seeing gas stations disappear and become you know new opportunities for for development. Um, but charging is different; like it's we're not going to be able to approach charging the way we have for for gasoline. It's not quick, five minutes in and out. Uh, situation. It's got to be you, you park at the at the mall and you plug in your car and you go shopping and come out and you're back at 100 um, percent or go to work and there's dozens of chargers available. So it, it does raise the question. I mean, I, I mentioned before for Fortis would have to be on board with the amount of uh, electric vehicles, uh, access to electric vehicles being ready. And I just just read a stat um, from France who you know, as they move towards EV, uh, that what they're finding is when the batteries wear out, uh, they actually, the people find it's cheaper for them to throw the vehicles away because the cost of, of replacing that battery is too exponentially high for them to keep on. So 
you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I think there's a transition coming. Um, but I mean, in Canada, we have this little thing called Alberta. <laughs> yeah. And they, right. they actually add a little bit to our economy. Yeah, so absolutely. would you, would you have a, a timeline in place or a thought process of when this should all occur? Well, I, I think like, like other projects that I'm, that I'm proposing, I think the conversation has to start now. And I think that, um, you know, anything, when we're dealing with any tri- sort of large infrastructure change, you, you have to plan and you have to, uh, um, make sure that it's, it's, this growth is staggered out and, and something that we can handle. Uh, it's not like I, you know, I can get, get on council and say, you know, even if I were able to convince all the other councillors, say, Hey, let's put a, you know, a couple million dollars into putting a charging stations everywhere. That's not an overnight thing. And uh, I don't expect it to be. Um, but, uh, but, uh, the conversations at, at council uh, right now have been, you know, largely about housing, which it should be. Um, but uh, what I'm trying to interject into the conversation with my platform is these are some of the other issues that that we're going to be facing soon. And uh, planning around that is going to be uh, major. And, you know, almost everybody that I've talked to uh, since starting this campaign and even before that, everybody really uh has has something to say about infrastructure. They're feeling that that our city just doesn't have the infrastructure in place for the amount of growth that we've we've had. Tom, if if my power goes out because of your charging system, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna call you, yeah. and I'm gonna call you at all hours. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. Yes, that's that's totally fine. Hopefully, uh, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, you won't be aggressive when you come and. Because I do have a, a toddler and he sleeps. So if you're going to come and beat me up, please do it before seven o'clock. I'll just ring the doorbell when he's napping. It's not a big deal. Or just wait for me to put him to bed. I'll let you know. I'll text you. Say, okay, you can come beat me up now. And uh, and that's what'll happen. I'm having a lot of fun with Tom because uh, you know he's he's getting asked some some tough questions here on the Rick and Friends show. Um, because you know, again. If, if we're vetting potential city councillors, we got to have some tougher conversations, no question. So this one, I, I'm excited about diving into more things for people to do year round. And, and we're talking about roller rinks, arcades, indoor go-karts. Uh, we need to foster growth for entertainment. Okay. Your floor, sir. Yeah. So uh, again, like uh, a lot of the conversation uh, that, that I've noticed from, from council over the past several years has been, well, uh, a lot to do with housing. And that's fantastic. I think that they've done a lot of good work on increasing the, the supply for housing. Um, there's definitely pros and cons with, with that. Um, but also council, you know, can't control everything that developers bring to them. Um, but one of the things that, that our family has noticed uh, and, and other families that, that I've, I've talked to is that Kelowna has an amazing spring, summertime life that is, you know, tons of outdoor activities to do. You can go on a different hike every day of the summer. There's, you know, short drive and you're at like, you can go to any lake around and they're amazing to, to go engage with. But, uh, but during the winter, you know, most of those things shut down, uh, become less accessible. Uh, and, and, then there's a lot of teens, a lot of families, young young kids, and that are, you know, trying to find outlets for things to do that aren't constantly supervised by a teacher, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, 
and I and I know the city is not going to go and build a roller rink on their own, uh, and that, that's just an example. But you know, I think the city can play a role, especially from uh, from the business development uh, uh, department of uh, encouraging uh, and and planning for spaces like that. So you know, developers come with a. Uh, uh, they want to build a tower or they want to build a big development here. You say, well, instead of just demanding that they're, you know, building new park space or something near that, it's like, well, okay, well, we want, we would like to see a larger commercial space put in, in this development. Um, and, you know, so something that would be, uh, make sense for a company to be able to come in and, and do something like that. So what about, because uh, I, I think uh, <laughs> Big White would probably have a few problems with that suggestion. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, and, yes. and Stewart Park. And uh, so, and, and again, I'm, I, I'm not disparaging, but I, I, I'm just trying to, to think about it through the eyes of um, people that, you know, do cross-country skiing, which doesn't cost a lot. Uh, you know, they, they might actually have, I've got a, a bike that can go in the winter. So we go up Crawford. Those are some of the things. In, and so are you suggesting the city of Kelowna would invest in infrastructure around these indoor activities over the winter? Or what are you suggesting? I, I think that that, uh, that building it themselves uh, would be probably too much of an undertaking. I think we should be open to ideas like that. Um, but I think looking at that when we're considering new developments that are coming in um, and having in the official community plan spaces that we want those where we want things like that to happen uh, would be really important to have uh, just and not just all concentrated downtown um, because a lot of what seems to be seems to happen in Glenmore. <laughs> well, maybe Glenmore. Yeah. You know, it can knock over my house and build a roller rink if you want. I, I know. But it, it, like it, because it, going downtown is also becoming uh, you know, a not easy situation uh, for everybody either. Uh, and uh, so spreading out those those places and spaces um, uh, for, for these things to happen would be great. And absolutely no disrespect to the the ski and snowboard community. Uh, like I can't do it myself uh, because, you know, I uh, growing up in Los Angeles for, for a lot of my life, I uh, there was not a ton of snow to work with in uh, LA. Come on, no, there was it. It, it did snow one time. And, surfing, uh, surfing, man. Yeah, no, surfing for sure. But you know what? That was the thing. I grew up in a, a part of LA that is not on TV. Uh, it's, a lot of TV is filmed there, but but uh, uh, some of the more uh, adult films are are filled in that. I was from the Valley. Uh, oh, so, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, I met kids growing up that had never even been to the beach. Like it was a very, really, really rough neighborhood. I grew up probably like four blocks away from uh, uh, where Rodney King was uh, was oh, beaten by police, uh, and that was actually sorry to detract from it, but that was actually where I kind of got my start of getting involved in community. Was uh, I was at my I was in fifth grade, and uh, they were looking for somebody, one of the students, to speak at the opening of a library that was being built where Rodney King uh, was uh, was uh, brutally beaten. Um, and uh, somehow I got that opportunity to do it. And I gave like a 30 second or minute long speech. And uh, and I, I met, you know, a few few like 
uh, state senators and things like that at the, at the time there. And I was just like, you know, this is really cool. Like, it, I, at first I was like, this is something that, uh, you know, um, I, I love because I'm getting to talk in front of people and there's attention and things. But then I thought about it a lot growing up after that. And I was like, you know what, like, these are the things like you can you can actually be involved in things that will change the community. And that library is now also a, a children's museum. And, you know, it's an awesome center of that neighborhood in Los Angeles uh, that, you know, I'm not saying I, I was the one who built it or anything, I'm, but being being a small part of that and witnessing it, uh, it's it's transformed the community in a lot of positive ways. Are you, uh, are you an American citizen? No. So I, I was born in Regina, um, and uh, I grew up there until I was about six years old. And then my uh, my parents were uh, wanted wanted to move our family down there to to do missionary work for a church in uh, in that neighborhood in one of the rougher neighborhoods of LA. And uh, we were going to be there for just a little bit, and then we just ended up staying until I graduated high school. But in that time, I was able to go back to Regina uh, a few times when when visas were being renewed and things like that, um, and spent spent a lot of time there as well. Um, so next on the platform, more fire protection infrastructure. There's no secret wildfire season is now an annual event. Won't be long before Cologne is facing a major threat. So is this? Um I, I guess this would be critical of the way current fire management practices uh, exist or don't exist. Well, or, I, I'm not saying they, they do. I'm mean, like, I, I'm not saying that there's um, bad things in place. I think we just need to do more um, because really, as we, we saw, you know, just last year in West Kelowna, um, there was real uh, massive threats to the, to people's homes and infrastructure there. Um, and uh, that, unfortunately is is becoming more and more of a regular occurrence um and you've lived here longer than than me well in in 2003 but, um i fired or my house did burn down so wow yeah yeah sorry to hear that and, and that's a devastating loss for anyone and uh uh to me i think uh uh there's there's a few things that can be done as a city to just help promote that you know making incentives for for people to you know get rooftop sprinklers installed on their on their homes whether that's through like a, a property tax rebate um, or um, some sort of uh, uh, incentive program to to help with that that happen and really encourage especially people who are on the outskirts of our city uh, who are face to face with uh, with uh, nature <laughs> if you will uh, have have that pr uh, protection. Um, and uh, and because not only that, I mean, you're not just protecting your own home, you're protecting everybody else's in the neighborhood, right? Is so. your home uh, border on uh, interface with with forest? We're pretty close. Uh, we're so we're uh, right across the street from Knox Middle School. Um, I, I probably shouldn't be telling everybody <laughs> exactly where I live. I just won't tell you what unit I'm in. Uh, so you have to knock on a bunch of doors to find me. Hopefully I'll have time to run in that time period um but uh but no yeah so you know we we see like we're right on the border of alr um for you know a bunch of orchards that are in that area uh and close by you know you're uh, you know uh, just driving up glenmore road that's when you get into really heavy tree areas um and so i'm not for personally for me i'm not super worried about our our, our complex but uh but a ton of our neighbors in in that area 
um, uh, you know, would be under threat if, if something were to, were to happen in that area. And uh, we know how quickly things can just get out of control. I mean, if you look at, there's a great documentary on uh, Netflix about uh, a town in California a couple of years ago. Uh, I think it was in 2016. Uh, it, or no, it was, Trump was, it was last year. That's how I remembered it. His last year in office. And uh, uh, there was, because he came to visit the town after it had been destroyed, but almost an entire city was wiped off the map. Um, and and uh, it happened over the course of, you know, just a couple of hours without. But isn't happen. that more of a provincial discussion than a municipal though? Yeah. But I, I do think that, that the province pay, plays the main role, but as a city, I think, you know, like I was talking about with, you know, incentive programs for fire protection for your home. Uh, there's things that we can do to help support that. Um, there's, there's a lot of my platform that, uh, you know, is, is involved with mostly advocacy and, uh, and the city contributing in the ways that they can. So I, I've got a few more to go through and we're, we're running out of time, but Kelowna should have a solar incentive program. Give me a few words on, on what, you know, what that looks like. And, and I'm more curious about, um, and I don't know the answer to this, but you know, in November through March, we have some clouds roll in. Of course. Yeah. So what, What's the thoughts around that? Well, technology is way better uh, for solar, and, and it's getting better every year. Um, Do you it, have solar in your house? Uh, no. Well, okay. we're we're in a complex, so I mean, oh, like, I if if, but it is something that um, uh, the Strata has talked about before, and and it's really new Strata. Like our complex is like built in twenty eighteen, so. Our strata is still kind of getting their sea legs of you know. Are you on strata? Uh, no, uh, but I've 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 uh, been to a couple meetings and and uh, they got some really great people on that. I can only do like a few things at a time. My wife says so. <laughs> uh, like being on the on the board for the women's shelter, uh, it's kind of my at the moment or the past couple of years. That's been my uh, thing to do. Uh, and how old's your child? Uh, Jack is he's uh, two and almost two and a half. So yeah. Uh, and, but, but, you know, there's a lot of value for us to consider that as, as a complex, uh, to, to put that in too, because, you know, uh, it's energy costs are going up and, uh, it's, you know, we got hot, hot summers and cold winters and, uh, and we need something that's going to help us through that. And so, uh, if you look at a country like Germany, uh, that has adopted like probably the world leader in solar adoption and, uh, you know, there's things that have gone well with that and some things that haven't. Um, but we get more sunlight uh, than they do, uh, you know, if we were average out throughout the year uh, and would be better equipped or better have a better uh, end result energy-wise than they would uh, if we were uh, to have similar programs in place. Um, and honestly, uh, uh, I, think, I think the city is going to have to be the one to, to play the leader on this because, you know, the province is clearly not, you know, they, they've got a vested interest in, in, uh, Fortis being successful, you know, it, it being the, the, you know, uh, space that it is, uh, but city, you know, needs to, you know, have alternative plans to increase, uh, energy here. Um, and I think that, uh, uh, making programs available for, for, you know, regular people, everybody to, to, to get 
to make solar investment realistic is a way to do that in, on an individual basis. As long as they accept the power when we give it back to them on the grid. <laughs> yeah. if, we, if we can get that going, yeah. Tom, listen, that would be good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll try and wrap up, get a few words here because, uh, like I said, we're running out of time. Um, it's time to support a trades industry. So just give me a quick few thoughts on why that's on your platform. Yeah. So, so part of the, the, the trades industry, uh, conversation is really to do with, with that, that housing. I think that, um, we're in a special time right now where Kelowna is going through, uh, an enormous growth, uh, and, and the only way to actually get that done is to have people to build it. And, uh, I think um, even if it's a, you know, uh, not a standing committee, but some sort of temporary committee put in place that uh, that convenes um, representatives from you know major developers and construction companies in in the valley uh, to uh, come up with solutions for making sure that you know bringing tradespeople to Kelowna or encouraging trades here uh, is is reality. I think that 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 uh, working with with private industry to to solve some of these issues is the only way that's really going to happen. I, I definitely don't suggest like government city of Kelowna just you know we're not talking about we're not talking about tent city or anything, are we? No, no, okay. no. Because Tom, that would be a problem. No, no. But you know, there's there's like I said, uh, the, you know, city of Kelowna also owns a, a ton of residential properties uh, that they uh, have purchase land for but uh, i think those are rented out though aren't they the, well, yes they are they're usually like totally rented out but you know there might be some situations where where uh you know uh some of these you know uh properties are are um labeled when once somebody leaves it that's like uh, meant for to the next person to rent out you know maybe it's got to rent it out to a, tra a tradesperson or family or something like that or um you know, I think there's there's some solutions to think about with that. Um, but but just bringing up the conversation about supporting trades and uh, is, I think, a, a big deal. And I say that, you know, like, obviously, I, I work for a company that that is, is in, in the, the trades. trades. Um, but I, I really don't see that uh, as I'm not saying that for for our company. I'm saying it because I see every day, uh, you know, being someone who who does a lot of the hiring for uh, for for the company and and helps with that process? Uh, I see how difficult it is um, for for people, and uh, and that's what I've heard from other companies as well. Is like we just you know we'd love to get some of these projects across the finish line sooner, but it's just not in the cards. It, it might be a little bit tough to vet some of these people because I can swing a hammer, but right. you, you don't want me anywhere near your roof. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. there's that. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. yeah. I, I'm afraid of heights, which is, uh, you know, amazing to think that I'm, you know, and I'm actually a really tall guy, so I'm scared walking sometimes. Um, but, uh, but but definitely uh, it's it's not for everyone. I, I, I prefer to be the guy <laughs> organizing things and helping out that way. Uh, we need to tackle our infrastructure problems head on. Again, I'm reading from the uh, Tom for Kelowna website. If we don't invest and fight for major infrastructure and transportation improvements to our road systems in Kelowna, 
our children, our children will pay the price. Now, again, and it seems to me, and this is just anecdotally, but it seems like a lot of your platform has to do with with provincial federal funding. So do you feel like you, uh, if elected, would be able to have those conversations, move things forward on those different levels of government? Absolutely. I, I think that uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm just going to call up Justin Trudeau and have a say, hey, Justin, what's going on with our you know, funding for this. I, that I'm sure he's open to that conversation. Yeah, maybe, and and I will try. But uh, but I think um, these we shouldn't be scared of tackling these things. And you know, I, I you know, I may I, I save this platform, and you know, four years from now, people are like, well, you didn't accomplish any of that. You know, like, but hopefully, I've made some headway on some of these things, and hopefully, I've I push push for it. But I'm not gonna. Like this is this is a platform that I believe in, and I'm not going to uh, adopt a platform just because I think I think there are things that are easily accomplished. You know, like some yeah some counselors might think, oh, let's you know add a few bus routes or we'll add this or that or you know, and there are some smaller things that that I I really do think are accomplishable very quickly uh, that I'm uh, that that I'll be releasing as part of my platform as well soon. Uh, like, like for instance, um, uh, COSAR, the uh, search and rescue, Central Okanagan uh, search and rescue, they are in a building right now that is just not <laughs> suitable for uh, for for any uh, operation to be running out of. They've got a file room in the bathroom and stuff like that. I'm actually going to go visit them uh, on on Friday um, uh, to to tour the site. Uh, but that building, like that operation, is incredibly important. Uh, to to our our valley and and they, you know, it's it's made up of a group group of volunteers and they've saved countless lives uh, over the years, and uh, and so something like that, I know that the city can figure out a solution. Uh, either it's whether it's retrofitting part of property, part of a industrial property that they already have, or you know figuring out how to uh, or partnering with. Uh, private industry to come up with a solution for this. Uh, but space for, for a new space for them, that's something that's, I think, attainable in that time. Frame. So with your with your platform being, you know, it's it's all very big ideas and again, different levels of government. Do you do you feel like you'd be able to get some consensus on council? Because, you know, it, it takes eight other people to kind of say, yeah, that's something we should do. Um, is that something you feel like is in your wheelhouse is to build build consensus with, again, uh, some very big thinking ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's going to be the tough part. And, uh, I, I think United, uh, council can, I, I think they can do anything and they've, they can, you know, make large splash, uh, in, on any issue if they're together on things. Um, but what I've seen over the years is like, there is just, there, there's there's not enough voices for big ideas and not enough like they're not brought up and uh if we don't just at least start having these conversations at that level then they're never going to happen and uh i think uh we need we need some people who are just saying hey let's let's think about this issue differently and yes it might be a seriously huge undertaking and may, maybe we'll fail completely at that but we're there to do things for this city and we're, we're there to make big moves and we have some really big challenges. 
So small band-aid solutions, they're not going to take it. They're not going to, they're not going to be the best interest uh, for, for the city. We'll do them, but yeah. Our time is coming to a close, Tom. Uh, thanks for being on the show. I, I do have one last question because it, it's, uh, again, part of your platform. Uh, Kelowna needs a Lake Okanagan business commission. Um, and this was to establish a commission that regulates lake safety, supports business and acts as a steward of our majestic lake. Uh, the Okanagan Water Basin Board would probably have an issue with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, the, no. And they, they are an incredible organization. What I'm more so proposing is uh, an organization that is uh, made up of representatives from businesses that operate on the water uh, that have interest in um, in. in businesses that are on the lake um, because really we have so many businesses between uh, Kelowna and Penticton and Vernon who are all operating in some way on the Okanagan uh, you know and, and how does that how would that commission fit within the water basin as well as the city and, and you know how, how does that fit within the the mechanics of, of how it currently runs I, I think that it's uh, it would it would take on the the elements that are not being, you know, that are that are less um, that that are less proactive. Uh, some so some of those issues, like the Okanagan Water Basin, has done a, a great job of, like for instance, I think they're the ones doing the "Don't Move a Muscle" mm-hmm. uh, campaign. Yeah. Like, the, the, and they get funding too. Yeah. Totally, and that's really important for for protecting the environmental aspect of our lake. Uh, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. What I'm thinking is an organization or uh, some sort of setup that is similar to the Downtown Kelowna Association, where there's uh, a group that is uh, responsible for making sure that we're getting the most out of uh, out of uh, business and activities that have to do with the lake. So, is there any know. kind of businesses that come to mind that would be on that commission? Well, for sure, like any of the marinas, uh, I would say, or you know, all the marinas should be on something like that. Um, the boat rental um, uh, companies, anybody who does like uses the launch for for running business, like Okanagan Luxury Boat Club or uh, Aqua, or you know. Uh, any of these businesses that uh, have, you know, are, are running throughout the summer, uh, summer months. Um, and I think it would be not so much, uh, you know, to, to regulate things that are happening out there, uh, but really to how can we how can we create activities and events and things like that, that it would, you know, bolster the everybody. Um, so whether that's like offering um uh, you know, lake safety training or uh, programs for for people who work in the the marine industry, uh, or you know, having annual events uh, for you know, I don't want to say regatta, <laughs> but you know, things things like that. But, uh, but do you think that would be one of the biggest pressing issues that commission would tackle? Is is uh, building activity for for them, or, or what do you think would be a pressing issue for the commission? I, I think I do think safety is probably the number one thing. Uh, boating safety and uh, uh, water sports safety in general. I mean, we just saw uh, again like last last week uh, or a couple of days ago. I believe that somebody had was trying to save somebody else uh, and, um, and you know, died in the process doing that. Um, and, they, you know, it, it's, it's a very dangerous, and I've been uh, on the scene when, uh, when, when I was, I, I used to work at uh, 
at Aqua, the, the boatyard there, uh, when I was going to university. And, uh, you know, there was a major accident that happened when a little girl uh, passed away from injuries of, of someone just going, you know, on a sea do and, it, you know, hit a boat. And uh, uh, I saw the family, they're devastated. And that that's that's happened uh, a lot. Like there's been some some terrible accidents with the lake. And uh, so you uh, think the current uh, boat safety course doesn't go far enough? I think yeah. I think I think we need more promotion. That we need, I think we need buy-in from the business community that is uh, is doing that. Like, if that maybe that means that there's a safety program that's that's available for all businesses to to educate their clients and and um, customers about, um, or or you know especially people who work at these marinas and and in the industry offering courses for them of like you know how to educate other people on uh, boating safety and uh the lake is our, our biggest asset in this community like we we have some big towers now and we got some amazing features here but uh to me the lake is always the center of of everything here so having uh you know i don't think we're we should build something that's going to replace what's there i think uh there just needs to be another level of uh interest into uh what happens on the lake okay uh listen tom it's been a pleasure uh he's a candidate for city council and uh i think that election is october 15th uh so if you want to read more about tom it's tomforclona.ca thanks so much for being on the big show yeah thanks a lot rick for having me